Good morning. So I'm going to start this week with a story like we usually do a little bit. A man was admiring the Grand Canyon. I don't know if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, but it is much to admire. It's very awesome. And he's there in the early morning, got up before his family or anyone and went to admire it. And he's leaning against a fence and the fence gives way and he plunges down into the canyon. And he finally grasps a little scrubby tree on the canyon wall and he looks up the canyon wall and realizes he can't go back up, it's too sheer. And below him, it's just Rock Canyon. So no one has seen him fall. He is hanging out of sight. No one would hear him if he yelled. So the man starts to pray, as we often do when there's no other thing to do. Please, God, help me. Please, God, help me. And to his surprise, he hears a loud reply. All right, came the voice, and he felt immediate comfort. Oh, good. Then he heard the voice say, let go. And the man looked down at the huge boulders below and replied, um, but God, I don't think, can, do you understand where I am? And the answer came back, let go. And then silence filled the canyon. The man thought for a minute and then said, is there anybody else up there? So we relate to this story because life often feels like we're clinging to a scrubby tree on a canyon wall and we're asked to let go and how are we supposed to do that? And yet we are asked to trust the outcome to God. Trust God in places where we think, you don't understand, can you see me? Today we're being asked to let go of judgment of ourselves and others because only God can judge you. In the Gospel of Matthew 11 that we just heard read by Courtney, Jesus describes the short-sightedness of the Pharisees' judgmental labeling. So a little background about the Gospel of Matthew. You know, it's summer, and so we all need a little bit of, like, where are we again? The Gospel of Matthew was written to the Jewish people using the lens of the Law of Moses and also the prophecies of the Messiah. So knowing that this is a Jewish audience, they would know about these prophecies of the Messiah, what God's supposed to look like, what God promised. And a few verses before our scripture today, John the Baptist, so you remember this is Jesus's cousin, and Jesus calls him the prophet Elijah, who was supposed to come just before the Messiah. He has come to prepare the way for the Lord. And John sends his disciples, though, to ask if Jesus is really the Messiah. Now think about this, he's known him his whole life, but Jesus is not acting like he thought Jesus would. Like, is this the Messiah? How could that be? John is a super straight arrow religious guy living in the desert eating like a keto diet. He is really, you know, black and white thinking. And here's his cousin partying in the city. And he's like, no, you cannot be the Messiah. Are you part of this family? You are not acting like it. So it really pushes against what is a religious person? What does a God believer look like? act like. This is what Jesus is challenging when he says, John came playing funeral music and you didn't mourn, and I came playing wedding music and you didn't dance. He's saying you're stuck in your rules about how people should be, what God should look like, what God should do or can do. So the Pharisees were the religiously pietistic, I call them the rule patrol, because they're just lay people, but they walk around kind of making sure that you're following all the rules. They're not really talking about themselves. They're just watching you. Um, 
And here we have John, who is, is pietistic in a different way, but he, he's sparse and he you know, bathes five times a day, so he's like Pharisees plus. And they call him, they say he must have a demon. So in contrast, Jesus, who is the grace of God in human form, came eating and drinking, and these same Pharisees called him a glutton and a drunkard. So the Pharisees didn't know how to judge what was happening right in front of their eyes, and we don't either. So think about how we judge. We believe to judge something is to have criteria, right? To hold people to standards, to have high expectations. So all is very true about that until the lens of judgment is turned on you, right? And until it's turned back on us. Then we want to be understood. We want to defend ourselves. We want to be judged by our actions, not, I mean, our intentions, not our actions. We judge others as flawed, but we think of ourselves as just reacting to circumstances. Carl Jung wrote, thinking is difficult. That's why most people judge. Human behavior expert Dr. John DiMartini refers to a phenomenon called the self-righteous and the self-wrongness to explain why we judge. He says, through judging, we define the worth of everyone we meet and we quell the fear that we might be organically made wrong or wrong, without merit, without true worth, unremarkable, unlovable, we prefer to filter the world with quick labels to protect ourselves from judgment by figuring out where we are in the pecking order. It's a form of moral sibling rivalry. If you're thinking you don't judge very much, take a short walk around your neighborhood or at work or even around this church and your brain will serve up all kinds of judgments for you to feel better about yourself in this pecking order. Like, why haven't they cut their lawn yet? That looks terrible. Or, I would not wear that color if I were her. Or, that guy is so lazy. What does he do anyway? Why are they paying him? Or, she's the grouch of the neighborhood. You know, it's really sobering to realize that people are walking by you with these same thoughts, too. <laughs> so, have you ever felt judged, really judged? You know, this happens most often with our friends and family, where we feel that weight of judgment, that weight of being labeled. Maybe we, in our family, we were the funny one or the smart one, the firstborn, the bossy one, the introvert, the clown, the weirdo, the druggie, the idiot, whatever label uh, was applied to you. And some of those labels feel permanent. Like when we visit family, we kind of go right back into those assigned roles, right? If you're like the rest of us, you also judge and label yourself, though. That's the harshest judgment. Never measuring up to your own high ideals, never proving yourself to be worthy of love and belonging for very long. You feel like you will always be that angry, maybe anxious, neurotic, silly, bad with money, not smart, ugly, or however you label yourself. When we feel judged, we want to defend ourselves with our resume, with all of our good works and good things that we have done. But Jonathan Linebaugh says, your biography cannot carry the weight of your belovedness. So what you have done or left undone is not the measure of your worth to God. 
So I'm a diehard Ted Lasso fan. If you don't know that show, it's the one about the football coach that goes from the United States and, and then is coaching a soccer team in England. Um, I know people are saying they don't like season three. I'm still hardcore and love that. So Rory Kent is like the, the foul-mouthed Ted coach. Um, so I have a quote from him, but I have to edit it very heavily if you've seen that show. So you can fill in the blanks with what those might be. But he is talking to the guys and he says, for the past year, I have busted myself trying to change. Apparently, I haven't done anything because I'm still me. And Ted asks, did you want to be someone else? He says, yeah, someone better. Can people change? And he's told, I don't think we change as much as accept who we've always been. Change isn't about trying to be perfect. Perfect is boring. Human beings are never going to be perfect. We have to keep asking for help and accepting it. So there's a great passage in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, even if you're not an alcoholic, it's a great book to read. And there's a great passage about judgment in it, and it says, Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. And he forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, in every situation. And I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me that there's a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us, but that we are all children of God. We each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I'm saying that I know better than God. This proves that I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone. So I'm better off if I don't give advice, don't figure out. You know, it's part of our communion liturgy every week. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. You know, the yoke in the Bible is a symbol of a heavy task or a burden. The commands of God are heavy tasks that we cannot accomplish on the human plane. Just as our wills are bound by our desires, our judgments are bound by our fears. Christ Jesus came to set us free from the burden of the law, the guilt and the remorse of sin that we feel every day. This is something I didn't know until this sermon, but that the stoles that we wear as priests are actually symbols of Christ's easy yoke of grace, this light yoke of grace. As St. Paul did, we preach Christ crucified as the removal of the burden of judgment, the guilt of judgment, the heaviness of it. So put down the burden of judging yourself and others. You were made by a loving and forgiving God, and you are meant to be here. You are not a mistake. Jesus is your only judge, and if you could see yourself through his eyes, you would know there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 
He knows the judgment you feel is real and heavy, but you are labeled beloved. You are sealed as Christ's own forever. Nothing can change that. He was crucified to take it on himself and to relieve you of this great weight. His grace is amazing and it meets you where you are, not where you think you should be. May you find the rest of your soul today knowing that you are loved beyond measure. Amen.